Well, tonight we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. So as you're taking time to go there, I want to open up in a word of prayer. Father and our God, I invite you, Lord, to take over tonight. I ask that this message come through loud and clear. And Lord, that you speak through me. As you know, I'm not used to this. But I know your word will be done. I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you were to sum up the, what the Christian life is in one word, and as you're trying to balance it out through these tumultuous times, one word comes to mind, and to me that's others. And that's what Philippians chapter 2 is basically talking about. The mind of Christ has always been about others. In fact, before we get to chapter 2, I want to go a few verses. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, it says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. Past tense, he's already done it. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's something that we're supposed to be doing, but not all the time. We get distracted. We get distracted by the things of the world, by what's going on. And rightly so, I mean, because we're human, we, we can't use that as an excuse, but every day we see the news of something happening in Afghanistan or something happening here or there, and it's depressing. Now, if it's depressing to you, and if it brings you down, what do you think that does to others? But yet we're so concerned about ourselves that we fail to intervene in the lives of others. Another uh, verse I wanted to get into before we get into Philippians is 1 Peter 1.22. And it says, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Some of us, even us Christians, go around with some grudges against people that we don't like or we didn't get along with. If we don't have any forgiveness in our hearts, then we're not going to have a fulfilled life. Christ is not controlling us. Our emotions and ourselves are controlling us. And that's dangerous. And if we truly are to love one another, we must humble ourselves, ask for forgiveness, be on our knees before God. And the one last verse I wanted to go over before we get into Philippians, is Romans 12.10 says, Love one another deeply. Outdo one another in showing honor. In other words, becoming humble before a person, not thinking that when you're talking to somebody one-on-one that you are better than that person or that you have more, you're more spiritual or whatever. Even though you may be, you, your mindset should be, where am I at? before you even talk to them, that you need to become as they are. If they're weak at once, you should need to become weak. If you know what their weakness is, you need to address it in love. In fact, Paul does that consistently throughout his messages. He's all, every time he speaks to somebody, he t- speaks fervently at the beginning of each chapter, I long for you, I love you, and my prayer is constantly going on and on how much he cares for them. 
So let's jump into chapter 2. And we're going to start a little oddly here. We're going to go to uh, verses 19 through 25. It says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. But you know his proven character, and as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. Now, Paul is in prison here. He has visited a lot of churches, and he means to to address or see the Philippian church, but he can't because he's in prison. So I'm thinking, I'm reading this, I'm like, the first thing that comes to your mind is, that is pretty sad. I have no one like-minded who's naturally going to care for somebody. But that's all of us. We don't naturally naturally care for, for people. I mean, you could think of someone in your family. Now, I'm thinking of mothers because mothers naturally, no matter what's happening, their kids are sick. They're making breakfast. They're making whatever they have to do for their kids. They're making sure the lunch money's there. They're, whatever is needful for their kids, they're there. But yet, we dispute and we, we anger. We rather think our spiritual life is just saying yes to Pastor Mike when he's here, just nodding our heads and gaining all this knowledge, but not sharing with it. Do you, you think this is just for us? And, uh, excuse me while I'm going through this. And I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Do you know what your gift is? For those of you who know Christ, I believe everybody here is is saved. Do you know what your gift is? We have many gifts that are given to each believer. Let me ask you a question. Do you think they're just for yourself? Do you think they're just for you? If you're not sharing them with people or intervening in someone's life, that you know a neighbor or you know is going through something, then it's not really amounting to much, is it? So I asked him, why is he sending Timothy, and he also will wind up sending Epaphroditus to him also, because they're not, they're not sinful like, like the Corinthian church. Paul visited the Corinthian church, I think it was, three times. You know what was going on in the church at Corinth. They had all kinds of sinful acts that were doing all kinds of things that were not right before the Lord. Yet, even when Paul addresses the Corinthian church, he starts out saying of confirming his love for them. So even when we see somebody that's overtaken in a fault or a sin, we need to affirm or love somebody, and we, sometimes we don't do that because we judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. And we just don't love the way we should. Another thing is he did the same thing to the church of Galatia. Now, to the Galatians, he wrote them to them right away. And he had to because they were perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't mess with the gospel. And they were, but when you get to Philippians, none of that's going on. So why does he have to send Timothy and he wind up Epaphroditus to them. Well, does he really need a reason? First of all, 
they are a young church. So just like a new believer needs discipleship, so does this young church. And this is why he sent them, because he has a fervent love for them. So if I can get anything out of you guys today is to come alongside somebody, intervene in somebody's life, tap them on the shoulder, take them out to breakfast, have them come to you, you know, go to a meeting, have a barbecue, invite them someplace, someone that maybe you're not even comfortable with, do it. I find the things that seem the opposite to me, I mean, it seem right to me is usually the opposite when, when the word of God is speaking and the things that, way we think things should be done. Okay, so we're going to start back in verse 1 now. And another thing that pastor always says that makes sense to me is people don't care how much you know until they, ha- they know how much you care. And that is very, very true, and it's very convicting to me because I'm not consistent. This message is for me also, so I hope that I get stronger through this because I care, but yet my demeanor shows that I like to joke a lot, which I do. That's my natural upbringing, being from Philadelphia and, and joking around a lot. Sometimes I feel it helps people relieve tension and stuff, so I like doing that with people. But I do want a deeper, deeper care for other people. Because people are hurting. People are hurting deeply. In fact, I was reading the other day that anxiety and depression medications have risen astronomically over the past year and a half. In fact, 66% of females compared to 33% of males have a spike in depression and anxiety. Why? Because... We live in fear. Why? Because we don't know the Lord as much or as close as we should. That's convicting to me, too. So recently, the Lord has been leading my life to intervene in some other people's lives, to be involved with them. Because I know how I feel when someone comes alongside me who's genuine and wants to care for, for me. And we ought to be that way to others. So let's start in verse 1 through 3. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. So what's it mean, therefore, if there's any consolation? So therefore means it was there for a reason, as Pastor Mike used to say. So if you go back to chapter 1, the last half, starting in verse 27, he's telling the Philippian church, how he expects them to act. And so far, they have been growing. They have been acting very appropriately as a new Christian should or a new church should. And this is what he warns them or instructs them to do. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, 
with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition. Terrified of your adversaries. Now, do we have any adversaries? Yeah, we do. We have the devil's adversary, and he has demons and angels all around trying to disrupt our thought patterns. If anyone else here deals with uh, bad thoughts and stuff like that, you're not alone. This is natural for in the Christian life. This happens. You are not alone. That's why we need to intervene in people's lives. We need to come, not just come, come on here on Sunday or Wednesday. You got your two days a week. And how are we supposed to know what you're going through unless you tell us, unless you come up here after a service and confess your sin or confess that you need prayer in this thing? We don't know. We, we're not mind readers. But we, know, we want to know. We want to pray for you. We want to lay our hands on you. I hardly see anybody come up, see anybody come up after the service to get their hands laid on, have their hands laid on. But it's necessary sometimes. Get rid of the pride. If you have a problem, please see somebody you trust. Now, a friend is great, a fr- especially a good Christian friend. But seek wise counsel. There's a lot of people don't always do that. Do not go to these books where, you know, the, the guy's picture's on the top of the book. If his picture's on there, throw that book away. Okay, because the only thing that's worth going to is the Word of God and what he instructs us to do. And if that person is not directing you towards Scripture, then you are not headed in the right direction. But so he, there's no problem to, to me from what I'm seeing with the Philippian church. But it is necessary, especially for young believers or a young church, to be ministered to properly, to have discipleship, not just learning, but learning how to apply. I think most of the reasons that you see a lot of Christians, in fact, I'm a prime example of this, because I got saved back in a youth ranch back when I was 17. And I just went to this youth ranch because there was babes there, let's be honest with you. And I just went there, and, and I, I did wind up accepting Christ, but the ground was not fertile, and I did not have the discipleship I needed. I was hand-throwing a, a little New Testament, the little, little pocket-sized ones, and then I went into the Navy right after that. And I didn't have much to go on, so I didn't know what I was supposed to pray often, or I didn't know I was supposed to read the Word or, or practice Christianity. That's what we need to be doing. Practice Christianity. It's not easy, but it's something that in every sport, anything that you do to get better at, it requires practice. And so does this. And so he's warning the Philippian church that you need to practice. You need to, to be faithful on this. You know, giving preference to one another and humbling yourselves and then seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. He needs to be first in your life. So it says, not, not each of you look not only for his interest, but also for the interest of others. How do we know their interest? You know? I know a couple of the guys, I know what a couple of their interests are, but unless 
we come alongside them, meet with them, talk to them. We're not going to know their interest. It first appeared to me when I first got involved with someone. This was this was a couple of years ago that I came alongside with. They would come to church, as most people do, and they have that smile on their face, and yeah, everything's good. Yet they're holding something. Now, if you look around here, if you look to your left and your right, everybody here, there's somebody here that's hurting. There's somebody here that's hurting. They might not tell you exactly what it is, but we're not to know unless, unless you know, they come forward and tell us or that someone comes alongside of them and brings it to truth where they can pray. But I got involved with this person, and, and then I put my hand on the shoulder, and until you know that when you see somebody's eyes welling up and their hands starting to shake, you know you're making a difference. And, that, and that's what we need to do. If we're to grow ourselves, which we do, we want all the things of, of what's good in the Lord. We want all these strengths and all these blessings. But we're not going to get them unless we think of others first. That's how it works. Just like Christmas. I always liked seeing people have their gifts rather than me getting anything. It's the opposite, you know. I'd rather, I rather give than to receive well, that we should be that way when it comes to others. Because when we give of ourselves or when we give the love of Christ, then we become blessed. It's kind of weird the way that works, isn't it? But that's the way it works. That is Christianity. Exact opposite of what many people under the law, like the Pharisees and those type of people, believed. Oh, you got to obey this. you got to do this. Or... If someone's, if we see someone in sin, we're so judgmental. We, you know, we got to get, you know, we're quick to it. We're very quick to it. I know I am myself. And Christianity and living the Christian life is not clicking like on Facebook, which I am all for, thank God, but I was one of them. It's not getting an argument over religion or, or, or Christianity. It's because no one wins over that. You may, you may win an argument, but you're going to lose a friend. You, you're going to lose respect. And I got rid of that, thank you. I, I am on Instagram in case anybody wants to say hi or whatever. But I, I liked it. I, I miss it because of the pictures of people I graduated high school with, you know, just from that aspect. But that is not Christianity. Christianity is and always has been about others. Jesus, for God so loved the world. So we're not of the world, but he loved the world, and we're to love not the world, but those who are in the world. Okay? What did he do? He gave his life. Are we in that, that way? Are we, have we come that far in our, in our walk that we say, yeah, I can, I'm strong enough to do that? We might say that, but until the time comes, we don't know. God, help us to, to be that place that we need to be. As for me, I want to finish strong. I've, I've been a place where I haven't been walking the way I, I should have for, for years, and I, I came back recently. I don't deserve to be up here. But by the grace of God, I am. And he can, he can make a difference in your life, too. So I think I, 
wound up at verse 3, at the first three verses. So let's go on to the 4 through, excuse me here. Let's go through 4 through 6. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. This mind be in you. What's this mind be in you? What was the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ was serving others. Where, where do we see that? All throughout the New Testament, we've seen that. We've seen that when he came into the, the, the supper, where he, the, he, it's customary to wash feet before you, you eat dinner and stuff like that. And no one even thought of that because they're concerned about this or that. But yet Jesus came before him and stood, stooped down and washed her feet, gave them an example. And we have the same type of mind. We're to give an example of pointing them to Christ. And it's something that I failed at and that I'm sure a lot of people here have, And but we can change. We can have a fresh feeling tonight right where we stand to do better, to be involved. So I know tonight this is what the Lord wanted me to speak on because this is so prevalent that's going on today. What? How many people are hurting? It's just unbelievable. And so you come alongside somebody and speak to them, and you see the, you see the hurt in them. You see the confusion. Who knows what to believe anymore? One person says this on the news. I've turned the news off. I. My wife gets angry with me. You don't watch any news? No, I don't watch any news. It, it's just it's just depressing. But if you're in a word, you knew this was going to happen. This this is predicted. This is going to happen. You know, in the end times, nation will rise against nation. Okay, that word that nation word is called ethnos. That's ethnicity. That's a lot of racial wars. Okay, not only that, there's much more going on. Earthquakes and all these things. Who's not going to be depressed unless you have the Lord? Who's not going to be depressed? Who's here thinks that, well, don't bother me. Well, if it don't bother you, then I, I say you're not walking with the Lord. You don't have his heart. Because these things ought to bother you, but yet they ought to bother you to the, to the point where, how can I be more for you, Lord? How can I serve you better? Okay. Excuse me, I keep getting lost in my notes here. All right. Where do we leave off at? Okay, verse 8 through 10. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those of the earth, and of those on the earth, and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, he humbled himself. I asked tonight, 
that we humble ourselves and think of yourself right now individually that you humble yourself that we might have this mind set also that Christ did. And I'll tell you right now, I have no problem bowing my knee now. I know every knee, believer and non-believer, is going to bow sooner or later anyway. But we need to be faithful with the gospel, which is for those who need to be saved, and for those who, who need him. We need to be faithful. I was reading um, J. Vernon McGee's commentary, and even though Philippians says, you know, this is speaking to the brothers, how we're supposed to treat each other, McGee says, this is for the saints and the ants. <laughs> and I was trying to think of what the ants were. The ants are those who are not saved, and that's just his terminology. And this is for, for everybody. So not only can we come alongside a brother or somebody that we know is saved, and lift them up, but we can come alongside a brother. I mean, I mean a, an unsaved person, a friend. You can have unsaved friends. We can come alongside them and meet with them. What an opportunity for the gospel. Hey, let's have a barbecue. You're invited. Oh, you're one of those Jesus freaks, aren't you? Yeah. Just come on over anyway. Yeah. Who doesn't like a burger or whatever? Invite them to places. Do something with something. Stop sitting back and getting gloating, I mean, not gloating, excuse me, and worrying about all this stuff. This is supposed to happen. This is what the Lord God had planned from generations ago, before the foundations of the earth. He knew this was coming. And our Lord is coming. He's coming again. He's coming for us. All right. Let's go verses 12 through 15. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Might as well do 16. Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, nor labored in vain. What's it mean? Work out your own salvation. Now, I know you guys out there on YouTube thinking... What? i got to work for my salvation? No, you do not have to work for your salvation. Salvation is paid for. Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we, who's we, Christians, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus before, ordained before for good works. We are ordained for good works. That is what we're supposed to be doing. So going back to uh, the gifts of the Spirit, what gift do you have? If you don't know what gift you have, I ask that you deeply search your heart and ask the Lord to reveal it because some of us have multiple gifts. Okay? 
I know mine, one of them is hospitality and being hospitable to people. I could tell by Zayden he's that way. He's very loving and, and hospitable. And so we, we get to know certain people, what, what some of their gifts are. But you need to look at your own heart and what your gift is. So, of course, that's not talking about it's the working out. It's the putting into practice what we were supposed to be doing regularly on a daily basis. Here's the one I wanted to skip. Verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Boy, do we fail there. I am a complainer. Once something gets hard, yeah, I don't want to do it. I actually don't do it that way, but we, we complain and we dispute because something gets hard. You know, just you have to endure hardship, the Lord says. We have to endure. We have to press on. It, nothing's easy, but boy, are we blessed when we do it. We have the joy of the Lord down in our hearts. For those of us who accepted Christ, we have this joy. It's unspeakable. You don't know what it is, but it carries us through difficult times. It gives us hope when someone we love dies that we know is in heaven. We have that, that joy that is, well, we know that they're in a better place, even though we have that time of grief and that time of crying or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. So, Doing things without without complaining and disputing, that's something that we all, I believe, can raise our hand. Yes, that's me. Do. It's not easy, but it can be done. So when we become Christians, we're not sinless. Everybody here knows that nobody's here is without sin. Everybody has sin. Book of James says if, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We are sinless. No, I'm sorry. We, we sin less. As, as we mature more, we sin less and less. Okay, but we, we can come to the throne of grace boldly and freely and confess our sins. It all says in the book of James that we confess our sins. He is just and able to forgive us. So we, as a mature Christians, we will confess our sins faster. Because we get convicted easier. If you're not being convicted of sin, I will check yourself. Because you're probably, it might, you might not be saved. Because if you're convicted of sin, you might as well count it as a blessing. Because you know somebody cares for you enough to convict you of it. To tell you you're doing wrong. Let's get back on the right track. That is very important. Okay, so 16 through 8, all right, I did 16. 17 and 18, let's go. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on a sacrifice in service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. And then here we go back to the original verses, again, that we, I started off with. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. 
For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. But you know his proven character that says, Son, with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Why did he send it? Seem it necessary? Because I think he, it doesn't really show or explain as Pastor always says. There's no answer, you know, don't put puzzles, try to fit puzzle pieces in where they don't belong. It doesn't say. But I would say, according to the book of Kevin, that he was that much concerned for him, that not only did he want to send Timothy, but he wanted to send Epaphroditus because these are men who are both like-minded, who care for people. Epaphroditus more probably proven. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus. He's my brother. He's a fellow worker and fellow soldier. But you're a messenger and the one who ministered to my need since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Boy, he's just saying a lot of here. He's just not only showing Paul's heart, but someone who almost died for the sake of others, very, very rare. And we tend to look back on the, the people of the Old Testament and the New Testament who did this and say, what else for them? I don't think that's possible for me to, to be this way now. It's a different God now. It's a different, you know, different Lord, isn't it? The same God that was speaking to them is speaking to you. Nothing's changed. Same God yesterday, today, and forevermore loves us the same way as he did from the foundation of the world. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. That's kind of opposite the way... Some fellowships feel that we shouldn't hold men in esteem, but yet Paul says that we should. You know, we kind of hold uh, Pastor Chuck Smith in esteem for what he started. So there's nothing wrong with holding, giving somebody the glory is different, but holding somebody in high esteem like a Joe Foch or a well-known Bible teacher who, who's made a difference in your life by, by sharing words and the commentary, nothing wrong with that at all. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, there it goes again, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So I wanted to share this tonight. I knew this is what I had to share. I didn't think I was going to make it. It was last night and the night before I was really sick. And I had Mike Russo a little nervous on. Might have to show a lot nervous where he... He might have to show slides or maybe play some trivia games. I don't know what he had, but but I know this. The Lord had this on my heart to speak tonight. So I hope I, I if I can challenge you with anything, tap somebody on the shoulder, invite him somewhere. Do it. You'll be blessed. 
as we always do, we like to close this hour in prayer, so I'm going to close this here, and then we can continue in prayer. Father, our God, we thank the Lord for your word, for how it teaches, how it convicts, how it instructs. Lord, help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Help us to make a difference for you and your kingdom, Lord. We ask this in your name.